I'm Jeff MacArthur. In $44 billion, $56 billion Canadian. Whichever, it's a big number. Okay, it's a huge number. It's an astronomical number, and it's the sale price for Twitter. Elon Musk buying the social media giant yesterday. Dave Ellier is a professor of business strategy at the Ted Rogers School of Management and joins us now for more on this blockbuster deal. Dave, good afternoon. Appreciate you uh, jumping on with us. Hey, great to speak with you, Jeff. Okay, uh, the details of this deal. Can you uh, tell us, just kind of give us a brief sketch? Does this now give Elon Musk total and unfettered control of Twitter, do we know? So what amounts to is, is yes, pretty much he's got control of it. Anybody who's got a sufficient fraction of the shares can elect the board of directors they want, and then they can put in the management that they want. So, yeah, it's going to be his baby. All right. How did this deal end up all coming together, Dave? Because many thought that the Twitter, you mentioned the board, the board of directors of Twitter, they had exercised this poison pill option and that this deal essentially wasn't happening. Yeah. So you got to remember the number one job of the board of directors is to do right by the existing shareholders, which are now going to be the old shareholders, to make them as much money as possible. So if somebody comes along like Elon Musk offering to pay 38% higher than what the shares are currently trading for, it's pretty hard for the board to say no to that. It's possible, but they have to have a really good reason. And so poison pills are generally considered to be a bad thing because they scare away people who are offering a premium like this. So eventually the board decided that this is too much money to turn up their nose at. And so it looks like they've accepted the offer. All right. So the deal was just too sweet to pass by that Elon Musk just wanted this so bad, so badly he was willing to pay uh, whatever the, the price was. And again, the, the deal was just too sweet. And when you've got his kind of money, you can afford to pay those kinds of prices. Right. Well, I wanted to ask you about that because this is a really unusual deal, business deal in so many ways, whether it's the technology sector or any other. Because have you ever seen, Dave, somebody like Elon Musk be so public about wanting something, going after something and eventually getting it? Because a lot of times these deals obviously uh, happen in private, behind closed doors, in boardrooms. But he went about this in a completely different and kind of revolutionary fashion i think yeah very public about what he wanted and he has a history of being clear about what he wants and then being quite aggressive about pursuing those things i suspect he's trying to get into that same kind of place that steve jobs once was with this reality distortion field if you say something boldly enough people will come around and, and tend to support it whether it makes sense or not is less important than i want to be part of what this guy is doing because he's an exciting guy and he does cool things Sure. And of course, obviously, you got to be able to cash the check if you're going to go this uh, public. And eventually Elon was. Uh, was there some doubt? Do we know, Dave, when it comes to raising the uh, funds? Was he uh, kind of scrambling sort of behind the scenes to yeah, uh, make sure that uh, finance was uh, secured? Yeah, it's a bit interesting there because not all the details are out yet, but it's, it's currently looking like he's going to put up about 19 or 20 billion of the 44. So this is all in U.S. Uh, 19 or 20 billion of his own cash and the rest of it, the remaining 25 or so is going to be new loans, new debts, about half of it debt that Twitter would take on uh, if he if he ends up being the owner of it. And half of it would be debt that he would personally take on and that he's pledging his Tesla shares as collateral for. So he's tapping into a lot of his different kinds of resources to pull this money together. 
And I understand uh, I was doing some reading after this uh, deal was uh, closed uh, yesterday. There is some uh, Canadian component to this. Uh, Some of the backers include RBC and CIBC. Do you know anything about that? Uh, I don't have any details on, on exactly who the syndicate is going to be to provide this, but everybody wants to, every banker wants to get a piece of a good deal like this. Um, but you think about that, it's $25 billion of new debt. And even if you assume that the interest rate is going to be around 5% or so, it's going to end up costing him more than a billion dollars in interest every year. And yeah. that gets interesting when you look at last year, Twitter's operating cash flow, they only generated about $800 million of cash, which is not enough to pay the new interest payments. So he's going to have to make some changes to the way Twitter operates in order to make this economically successful. He's going to either have to start cutting some expenses like R&D and the the investments to make cool new features on Twitter, or he's going to have to have some bright idea for how to ramp up the number of users and the amount of revenue that he gets off it, because the the current Twitter doesn't produce enough cash to pay for these loans. All right. So then I guess the question is, why? Why do this? Why would he offer, as you said earlier, I think some 38% uh, this offer was higher than the uh, current stock price or current value of Twitter. Uh, these numbers, uh, do they add up? Does this deal make sense? I mean, was this a good buy? Did, did Elon Musk uh, actually make a good purchase in his backers here? Or do you think that the board of directors and those that sold are, are the really kind of the winners here? You have asked the million-dollar question there. What's a company worth really depends on worth to whom. What are they going to do with it? So if he's, if he's just going to buy Twitter and operate it the way it's always operated, this is not a financially sensible deal. So either he's got some really clever ideas of things he's going to change, and I haven't heard him say anything. You know, he wants to put the edit button into the tweets. He wants to make it possible for people to buy that blue check mark next to their name on their Twitter account. Those are small tinkering things. Or he's not doing it for economic reasons at all. He's uber rich. And when you have that kind of money, you can do deals even if they don't make economic sense, at least not in the short run. So I think the thing we can read into that is this is not about the money. This is about power. Right. And that brings me to our next point and my next question for you, Dave. And there is some talk out there as to whether or not Elon Musk's successful bid for Twitter is this going to uh, maybe spark other billionaires? And uh, obviously, Jeff Bezos, Richard Branson immediately uh, come to mind who joined Elon in the uh, space race of the last a year or so, the private uh, space race. Is this going to unleash, do we think, other activist billionaires uh, buying up uh, properties just simply because uh, they want them for power? And is that a good thing? Yeah, man. Imagine being in a world where we have activist billionaires. Yeah, so he's a rich guy and he wants a big megaphone where he can say anything that he wants with little or no accountability. So uh, I think it's driven by his ego, it's driven by his ideology, etc. Um, you brought up the, the example of Jeff Bezos and he bought Washington Post and he hasn't really abused that power so far anyway. Um, I'm not sure what Elon Musk is going to do with Twitter But he's not doing this for economic reasons. I think we can safely infer that. So he's doing this because he wants a platform to amplify his voice even more. Other billionaires are surely going to be watching because they all, we have these billionaires and many of them owning big media properties already who are complaining that their voices are being cancelled. So they want the ability to control narrative in the public space even more. 
So I think people are going to watch very closely. We'll, we'll still have to wait and see what kinds of regulatory reactions we get and so forth over the next year or two. Uh, but other billionaires will be watching this, and I, I would expect other ones to want to make similar moves so that their voices can be even louder. Yes, and a lot of us who are nowhere near billionaires will also be watching this very closely <laughs> as well. Dave, I appreciate the time and your insight. Thank you so much for joining us. Great talking with you. Likewise. Dave Valliere is a professor of business strategy at the Ted Rogers School of Management. And that does it for our time on this Tuesday. Thanks, as always, for yours. I'm Jeff MacArthur. Have a great rest of the afternoon. I'll see you back here tomorrow at 1. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.